All right, so today we have, once again, Paul Sharp joining us. This would be the, what, two and a half times, I guess. You've two been and a half times. Two and a half. <laughs> but, yeah, I've, he's been on a couple times before, and we wanted to bring him back today, and we're going to start this episode with our giveaway. We mentioned it last week on the podcast with our new sponsor, Adaptive Tactical. Um, this was a social media giveaway, so if you guys don't have social media, I'm sorry. You don't get any cool stuff, but you should still check them out. <laughs> Right. adaptivetactical.com and so we will we have a That's cool a bowl here on the video if you're looking full of names that entered it's all the same two names by yeah the way. it's actually just me it's kevin, me yeah. and kevin put our names in <laughs> but uh yeah so we have a an ar stock and a grip nice. to give away here and that's thank you to adaptive tactical i'm mixing 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 all right, Paul. All right. You can do the honors. You pick Eyes we're gonna, one. Sure. Yeah, we're going to do two, but you can pick one first, and I'll read All them right. off. Trying to get just one here. All right. All right, there what do we go. got? What do we got? So the first winner is w.h.rosier or rosier. That's an Instagram handle. Nice. So we're going to put this video up on Instagram, too, and I'll tag you in that. So that's first winner. Nice. And the second right, winner. Ready? Eyes closed. All right. Going in. All right, I got one, right? You got one. Second winner is Pacific Northwest Jones. All right. It reminds me of uh, uh, the horrible bosses like Motherfucker, Motherfucker Jones. Jones. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Can you turn my headphones down just a little? It's the one on the bottom left. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, two winners are Pacific Motherfucker Jones, <laughs> Pacific Northwest Jones, and WH Rosier. Rosier, however you say that, and I'll tag them both on Instagram. Nice, and we'll get them taken care of. Very cool. So, Paul, thank you for doing that. Yeah, thanks for letting me be part of it. Of that course, cool. that's our first giveaway. Actually, well, we did one. We first started with a T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like these cheap ass T-shirts I had made. with just said, I think I gave you yeah, one, I of got them. one of them when you yeah. were first on because we didn't have the new logo and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and we did a giveaway, and then the person that won it never claimed it. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I messaged them. And said, hey, you know, you won, blah, blah, blah. They said, are you guys on Apple? I said, yeah, we're on all the platforms. And that was the last I heard from them. Super weird. Some yep. people are weird. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and was, I think it, Maybe they got abducted. Well, later <laughs> I found out it was one of my wife's old coworkers oh. that had entered on the oh. thing. And I, just the other day I told her, I'm like, your coworker never claimed that. Yeah. And What's up with yeah. that? Actually, her husband is a cop. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Cops are always down for free stuff. And that yeah, I yeah. mean, who's not? Yeah, oh. who who doesn't want something free? Oh, I like free stuff. So yeah, thanks for coming back on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Um, I'm trying to think where to start today because you do have a a thing coming up with uh, yeah for your yeah. fundraiser. We yeah, can, we, we can start a, there. Yeah, so uh, we got to think. Yeah, um, the 27th uh, into the 28th of october i'm going to be doing another 24-hour event to raise funds for pancreatic cancer action network so mm -hmm. they do research help families um the, it's just a great resource for folks dealing with that disease and they were a great resource for my family and so <clears throat> what i'm going to do is every hour on the hour starting at five o'clock i'm going to row three miles or run three miles mm -hmm. so the odd hours probably going to run three miles and on the even hours row three miles until we get to the end so um that's nuts yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah last time i uh, i ran every hour on the hour i ran three miles and we ended up miscalculating i ended up running 75 miles instead of 72 but at that point who cares <laughs> yeah, it's, just yeah. you know, it's like potato potato you, at that how point how do you feel after that um I mean, I, are you dead yeah so i i yeah, I had a mistakenly let everybody take off, and so I didn't have a ride. So I had to drive myself home, mm -hmm. which was an adventure. My legs were just cramping and all that good stuff. So I drove home, sat down on the bed, passed out, just dead to the world, and then woke up at about 3 in the morning freaking out because... I had a dream that I had overslept past my starting point for my next hour mm -hmm. by like 45 minutes or something. And now I was all messed up. 
So now I'm going to have to give everybody their money back. Um, I let my sponsors down. I let the people that donated down. Mm -hmm. I let the pan can. I was literally freaking out. And you were already done. You, yeah, you I was finished. done. <laughs> and I'm, I'm running in my room back and forth trying to get my shoes, trying to find my stuff. I'm freaking out. I can't get my compression socks on because my feet are swollen. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wait. Hold on. What day is it? <laughs> Who am Where I? Where am I? And what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. And then it just then it like dawned on me like, no, we're we're good. Yeah, we're done. But then I couldn't go back to sleep. I bet. So I bet. I ended up going to the gym and deadlifting and mm -hmm. getting a workout in Monday morning after the event. Jesus. So, yeah. um, which deadlifting with feet that I had uh, three broken toes. Hmm. and i was missing toenails and everything else so deadlifting was an adventure Jeez. but um yeah i just how many years have you been doing that now oh man um so last year was the first time i did a solo thing but i've been doing it since 2016 okay so you've been doing it a while yeah so i've been doing group efforts mm -hmm. and things and then i decided to just kind of see what i could do on my own you know nothing against you know um strides for life and all that good stuff all mm -hmm. the group events that we do but i just felt like i want to do something a little more and um try to drive myself a little harder challenge myself a little harder and there's a there's a buy-in you know from people because if i don't think i can do it i they definitely don't think i can mm -hmm. do it you know so yeah. there's a buy-in from them to try to incentivize me to make it happen mm -hmm. you know uh, one guy sponsored a dollar per mile you know, another guy just straight out thousand bucks and then he gave more later, mm -hmm. you know, which was phenomenal, you know, just caught me off guard. Yeah. And um, so there was a lot of that just really giving. And there were people that gave less um, in a in number, but to them significant, you know, because yeah. I know, you know, mm -hmm. and I know when I read the names, I was like, holy cow, man, that's a lot of money for what they're dealing with right now. People were dealing with you know, uh, going to COVID issues and all that stuff and mm -hmm. like still giving. So it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta make this run, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I went into it. I broke my, so I had a hip injury. Uh, I was teaching out at the site and I was running through the hills out there. I did a 13 mile run and on one of the hills, something just gave in my hip. It was weird. And I can't explain it. Uh, my doc looked at it and he's, it's like strain something, but you know, nothing we can do about it. Mm -hmm. Just suck it up and drive on. So, uh, I had a, it was about like a golf ball size lump under my skin on my left hip. And it just was painful to touch, really irritated, uh, kind of red inflamed, you know, almost like cellulitis type thing down my leg going into the run. And I just remember thinking like, I got to do this. I can't not do this even if i walk mm -hmm. end up walking at such a slow pace i'm walking non-stop for the 24 hours i gotta do it and i on the second or third run i had a guy come out um christian alcedo awesome dude he came out and ran with me almost the whole night every oh, wow. run yeah and he's a marine he's just tough as nails right mm -hmm. uh, didn't prepare <laughs> you know but he's just like i can't let you do this on your own and we were in the middle of an ice storm kind of a freakish you know, just sleet and icing and stuff. So we said, hey, let's go out one more time, run outside. I did not want to run on the treadmill. And um, like, let's run outside one more time and then see see what it looks like. It's getting slippery. And sure enough, I can't lift my left leg because of that thing in my hip. So I'm kind of dragging my foot. Mm. And I hit, we were running on a bike path, and I hit a little bump in the thing and kind of stumbled a couple times. And somewhere in there, I think, is where I first broke some toes Jeez. during that episode of stumbling yeah. and mm -hmm. not being able to, you know, I was basically peg-legging, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, so then after that, we decided, hey, let's just get on the treadmill and just do the rest of these on the treadmill because it's dark, uneven terrain, mm -hmm. and we got enough challenges already. So let's not make it worse. And my brother was there, too. And so... We um, made that decision to switch up to the treadmills, and then that that was a little better, but not by, not much. Are you doing <laughs> Are you doing tre treadmills this year? No, I'm gonna run outside. Are you? I mean, yeah. 
You might, might as well. We have the good country here to run in. Beautiful country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to run on the green belt oh, cool. for as long as I can. I know it's closed at night. Well, so. in October will be perfect. Yeah, It'll that's be, what I'm hoping. It so, won't be too hot. won't be cold. Yeah, so we're going to run. Um, I'm going to do the event at the Straight Blast Gym in mm-hmm. Idaho, so right down on Americana. So I'm going to be right there. The rowers in the gym, so I'll row in the gym and then go out and hit the green belt the next hour mm-hmm. and do my three Are, are you going to have anybody doing this with you, or is it people can, like, drop in and do yeah, stuff? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people are going to drop in. Um, Dr. Baker, he runs prehab. Um, it's a chiropractic clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to come out and work on me, keep me going. Um, that's, important. that's important. I'm sure it is, <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, I'm... I'm 53,000 years old, man. I got some miles on me, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll turn 54 in November. So mm-hmm. I got some miles on me and some damage. So he's going to come out and work on me, keep me running. So he'll be there. My brother's flying in. My daughter's, a couple of my daughters are going to fly into town mm-hmm. and be there with me. And then Jill, it, whatever her schedule is, we're not, she's, we're not sure if she'll still be in the ICU at mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. But um not as a patient but as yeah, a, as, a, yeah as, a, <laughs> as a medical professional in there in there doing doing good work in there yeah so she'll be in there so we're not sure you know a lot of things kind of got tossed up in the air at the last mm-hmm. minute here what, um, what's the date you're doing that the 27th and 28th so we might have to swing by too yeah that'd be awesome yeah you know <clears throat> and then um he's like what do you volunteer to be for bro <laughs> no but, uh, well we're gonna swing by and i'm gonna watch kevin run with you yeah that'd be awesome and i'll just cheer i'll yeah. come i'll come run a mile yeah, a mile. yeah. dude i, I stopped they, running altogether because my uh there's some back issues again and then uh, i've been trying to work on my feet because i mm-hmm. have an arch issues again and then so no running at all and when i do run i am more of a interval sprinter yeah. like if i am doing a long run when I say long, I mean like three to five miles. Mm-hmm. I'm doing like nine plus minute mile pace yeah. into like a five or six minute mile pace for a minute. Yes, the stuff I do. Yeah. Like, cause I get, just I get, bump it up. I was too ADD for like long stuff and it's hard. I need yeah. to get better at it again. But, and so I went from doing nothing into doing like an ultimate frisbee class at BSU and I went straight from nothing to just sprinting for a fucking yeah. hour, sprinting for an yeah. hour. So my legs for the last three weeks are not recovering. They're swollen up. My IT yeah, bands are happy. fucked up. My my glutes hurt. Like, yeah. So, but it would be fun to come down and just like, just like come row three miles. Yeah. Come run three miles. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to be part of it. Yeah. Obviously, I knew if I tried to do the whole thing, I would have yeah get fucked up. Right. I'm not that tough. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> it's it's um, it's a lot of just mental. Absolutely. You know? Um. I had a chance to uh, chat a little bit with uh, Brian Chantosh, so oh, cool because he does a lot of these events and chat with him a little bit. He kind of put my mind at ease about some stuff. I was having some freak out moments going into it, being injured and kind of banged up. And he's just like, "Look, man, the preparation is the preparation. There's nothing you can do about it now. Yeah, you just decide you're not going to quit. You're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other until it's over. And yeah. that's it." And, and you and you know your own end game. You know the goal, and that's a big part of it. Like in like sports psychology, you know, like <clears throat> if people think they're they're done after ten miles, and then someone leading the pack's like, guess what? We got five more. Right. Seventy five percent of people are just crushed. They're fucking done. Yeah. And then the other percentage can continue to do that. And it's kind of like you've you've been doing this long enough. You know you're part of that. You know, ninety fifth percentile. Like it's okay. Throw it at me. I can. I'm okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And yeah, that's for sure. Like and like, I used to do that in the gym too. You see people to people, and you see them get crushed. They get angry. They go through all the stages of yeah, grief, yeah. essentially. You know, right? You do it in the military and everything else. But um, it's when you've given so much, and you realize you, you can give more, you can do more. Yeah. Um, you know, and the last thing you need is someone telling you. Well, that's not the last thing, but like they're like, it's okay, you can quit. You know, because right. you get weak. Yeah. You know, like it was that sure. old saying. Someone brought it up years ago, but I it's basically on the same mode of like a rich man sees a guy living on the street and he's fucking cold. But he's like, I don't know how you survive these winters, you know, cause that's what he's expected to do to survive. Right. And the guy's like, hold on, I'm going to go inside and get you a jacket and some hot food. So he sits outside waiting for him, expecting to get that jacket and hot food. And the guy forgets about him and then he dies. Right. The hope yeah. made him yeah. get weak and he, he died. Yeah. You know, yeah, he like changed his yeah. mindset about it. Exactly. It is psychological. Like you were saying too, like even like if I go for a run in the neighborhood, I see like a tree up ahead. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it to that tree before I go to a walk. And that's as far as I'm going to fucking make it because I'm going to die. 
But I get to that tree and I see the next tree. I'm like, I can make it to the next tree. Yeah. And like, it's all psychological. Even for somebody who's out of shape like myself, like if I'm like, okay, I can make it. I do make it. You know, you yeah. set your mind to it. I think. Yeah. Plenty of plenty, of plenty of people can get really fucking fit without ever really getting too much out of their comfort zone. Um, and even though these are world top athletes, it's so I'm not judging this. I have no place to judge it. The world top athletes, but you can just difference between like, uh, Khabib and McGregor. McGregor is a phenomenal fighter, a great guy. So such in shape, you know, such in shape, whatever. I don't want to fucking talk, but, <laughs> but you can see he gets weak really quick. As yeah. soon as someone puts a pressure on him, he mentally breaks and yeah. Khabib's the opposite. He's trained to be fucking hard. Right. And so he's always be, putting the pressure on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you can be as fit as you want, but if the mentally you're not really mentally that tough, it's like, it doesn't go that far. Yeah. Especially not in combat. You can be as fit as you want. It doesn't mean that you're going to fucking not be the guy hiding and shaking when bulls are flying, you know? Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's so, so much of it is mental, you know? Yeah. Um, man, I can never remember his name. He's a, a runner from one of the Eastern Bloc countries, Emil. Anyway, he had a saying like, basically, if you want to, if you want to run, run a mile, you know. But if you want to have a life-changing experience, run a marathon. Mm, yeah. And um, because it's mental, you know, we all have the capacity to run a marathon. It's literally, like we can walk out right now and run a marathon. Mm. It's in us. But it's just mental, you know. And that and that was the hardest part in the last year's event was getting on the treadmill. I, I had so dreaded getting on the treadmill. I did not want to do it. I hate running on treadmill, uh, knee injuries, feet, you know, the whole thing. And just the mind numbing, just staring at a wall running, you know, it just, I just did not want to do it. You know, running outside, I at least had the distraction of yeah. the rain or this ice hit me in the face. You know, we're laughing cause we're miserable. It's yeah. cold and sucks. And, and you know how that is, man. Like the misery just makes you, you're either going to die uh, metaphorically or you're, you're going to make it through it. You're mm-hmm. going to suck it up and drive on and find a way to laugh and just get through it. And so we were finding ways to laugh and just get through the misery of it. And then when it came time to get on that treadmill, the decision was kind of taken out of my hands, you know, because you're like, again, you know, it's dark, it's icing up out there. This is dumb. Mm-hmm. Let's just get on the treadmill. And I remember the first time getting on the treadmill, just all of a sudden, that was the first time it entered my head. I don't know if I can do this. Right. Like during the event, like prior to the event, there were days where I was like, man, I don't know. You know, I'm going to let a lot of people down if I'm going to pull this off. And um, I remember like getting worked on massage therapist, just burying his elbow into my hip, trying to like break up whatever was going on in there. And I just remember thinking, I don't know. He said, you know, I don't know if I can get this thing to, it's just not giving. Mm. Whatever is going on in here is not giving. And I remember looking over and like hit his foot on the wall so he could get some leverage to torque on me <laughs> and my legs hanging off the table and just the whole thing. And I had some moments there where I thought I walked out of there thinking, man, uh, maybe I should postpone it, you know? And there was people in that, we're looking out for me who are like, maybe you should postpone, you know, and good friends are like, listen, like people will give just because it's you, mm-hmm. but you don't have to do this. You might do irreversible damage. Like you might come out of this needing a hip surgery. You might come out of this with all kinds of bad things happening. Like, let's just back it down, you know? Yeah. And I just remember like kind of hearing those voices and then later on thinking, no you know <laughs> yeah. like no nah, we'll see what happens yeah because yeah. you know? it, yeah, it, it you have to be strong to be introspective enough to see like when you know when someone says that to you and you feel relief come over you you have to be introspective and they're like wait why am i relieved like right. am i really gonna be that weak right now yeah to where i'm relieved when you know like if you're a motivated person that's not relief that sucks yeah. you know you don't want to miss something or miss going out to do your job or miss a SWAT hit because you were relieved when someone said, Oh yeah, your foot's hurting. Like, Oh, thanks God. I don't have to go. Like yeah. you want to be the mentality where mm-hmm. no, I'm not fucking leaving those guys without me. I'm exactly. going with them no matter what. You right. know, it's, I was just watching that show alone. Have you ever watched alone? It's mm-hmm. like a survival show. <clears throat> uh, and these people have to stay out in the middle of nowhere for a hundred days. 
Oh, wow. And they had, get to take like 10 items with them. They have a list they can pick from. It's on Netflix right now. It's actually really good. I think it's like a Discovery Channel show. But um, they have to stay for, there's 10 people. They have 100 days. They don't know when the other people drop out because they're all in separate parts mm-hmm. of the land. And it's up, I think it's up in Canada. So it's turning into winter. It's fall yeah. into winter time. And there's this one girl who's towards the end. I mean, the other people have dropped off. And so say like nine people drop out, you're still in. You're at 90 days. I think you still win if you drop out if you're the last one, but you don't know if you're the last one. Mm-hmm. If you hit the 100 days, they come get you, say you've made 100 days, you win. It was like a million dollars. But there's one girl who was towards the end, and she had frostbite on her toes. And the other thing is they have to pack all their own camera equipment. They're literally alone. Oh, wow. And they're setting up camera shots and all this. Yeah. And the they have a satellite phone, so they can call out if they're ready to go or if they get hurt. So somehow the medical team was made aware that she had frostbite, possible frostbite. So they come and they look at it and they tell her like, yeah, you have frostbite. We're pulling you. And you could see the relief come over her. Like, But she, she was like tough as nails. Yeah. Unless someone told her she was coming out, she was, she would probably would have won. Yeah. And, but you could see like her like, oh, okay, I got to go out. But she was saying, she's like, I love it out here. I would stay out here. Yeah. It's crazy. You really like watching that show. You see people break you see sure how tough some people are it's the guy that ended up winning it is he was the oldest guy on the show he was he was in his 50s yeah. and he's the one that ended up winning he he built this like rock structure for a house everybody else just used like branches and stuff <laughs> yeah. and this guy was moving 100 plus pound big slabs of rock right. and it was cool to watch but there's one guy his shelter caught on fire as he was in it because <laughs> they all put their fires in there because uh-huh. you yeah. kind of have to <laughs> And it caught on fire, and so he gets up and he like puts it out, and he stayed. He, he rebuilt it and stayed yeah. for a while. He didn't end up winning, but it's it shows you like mental, yeah. a mental game, big yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And you already have to be kind of solid going into shit like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most people are, you know, most people if their coping mechanisms are drinking and abuse and everything else, like we've always talked about, they're the weakest people. You see it when you're in basic training, whatever. You go to ranger school, and you're when you're separated from society a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, um, like for instance, you take somebody and you put them through like a little bit of sleep deprivation. Like we're up for thirty six hours, and we're gonna fucking beat your ass up, and then make you critically think during that time. And all of a sudden, say you just pull that person out and start doing like maybe a very masculine, not a nurturing type of like you know, psychological interview mm-hmm. and you watch these people break, right? Yeah. Cause they don't have that facade or the wall up anymore. It's broken down because they're tired. They're, they, they're, you know, everything else. They get raw. You real raw. And then you, as a person with the good coping mechanisms, doesn't waver that much mm-hmm. or they can, you know, it's not cause they don't have a wall anymore. If that's them and they're that stoic, it's because I've dealt with my shit. I know who I am. Right. You know, my life is already a little rough because I make it that way and I apply struggle mm-hmm. and that's, Man, I just wish, I wish we would all, this kind of maybe goes back to like selective service thing, you know, like if everyone went through something like that when they graduated high school, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was, you know, go do three years in the military or just do this, we'd all be better people. Or even like you the know? Peace Corps or something. Peace Corps. I, I mean, just, Corps. just <laughs> serving your country. You know right. I mean? But that's one of those things too that, I don't know. We do a lot in, in other countries where if we just taught them how to do it, we'd save trillions of dollars as well. You know, you go dig a well in Africa and look how much that costs to dig a well because we send over 20 Americans to go do it and engineer. But if we took all that, if we took that, say it was $30 million, apply that $30 million after you taught the natives to do that. Now they built three wells for that instead of just one. Right. Because why do we have to put our own fucking stamp on it and go help them, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's why some of the things like the Peace Corps and stuff like that, I'm like, eh, is it really... For them, is it or for us? You know, like I, I mean, just serving a purpose. Yeah, sorry. I think that's good. Good for anybody. Yeah. Because um, I don't think not everybody should join, like, be in combat. There's people that just have no fucking business doing sure. that. I'm sure. You know. Yeah. But if there was a different way that they could serve, just to yeah. make them a better person, I think, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of it, as far as building the mindset and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, there's been so many studies done that show. Uh, and anecdotal stories where, like that quote about the marathon, if you do something hard physically, it changes you holistically. You know, mm, it changes yeah. you mentally and emotionally and spiritually and all. Like your whole 
being changes by doing something hard. And the easiest way to do something hard is to do something physical. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I can I can have you sit and breathe for hours a day, and that that will be transformative. You know, it'll help you in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I could also just have you come run with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like hey, let's uh, let's do a marathon a day. You know, like those Japanese monks that have to run 100 kilo- yeah. kilometers a day every day for a year or two years. I can't remember now. But it's a pretty extended period of time that they have to run or commit ritualistic suicide mm, yeah. you know, if they don't complete their mission. And so at the end of that, that's a completely different human being. Yeah. And, and I've seen it just in, in smaller slices with things like jiu-jitsu and, and combat sports. Where you have somebody come in, and they'll they'll start as they they come in, and you have no idea what's under there because time reveals what's under mm-hmm. there, you know. And yeah. so over the period of a year, they suddenly become a different person, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's the thing. So I really think you know, like if there was a way to force it, you know, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah. But there also has to be that part of it where I think also, I think it's more beneficial maybe if they seek it for themselves. Absolutely. You know, where it's like, hold on, I'm a screw up, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of like this story about Dean Karnazes, you know, where he's out partying for his birthday and a little tipsy having a conversation maybe he shouldn't be having with the female from the office and then walked outside and just started running, mm. you know, <laughs> like I need to do something hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting too soft here. I need to fix myself. And I think, you know, those moments are even more transformative for mm-hmm. people because it's that moment of self-realization, you know, where they're like, man, I'm just not trying hard enough. I'm just not pushing myself hard enough. Mm-hmm. And how can I do that? And if it's a kid and 17, 18 year old kid, then probably the easiest route is the military. Mm-hmm. The easiest, as in the best way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're older, then probably the best way is through combat sports or the training to support yeah. combat sports. You know, well, like, I, I saw yeah. that with my oldest son, my thirteen-year-old son, because he always had a hard time with sports and stuff. And we put him in jujitsu, and he didn't want to do it, but he got used to being there. He got better, all that, right? But we were still forcing him to do it. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, and he didn't like any physical activity at all. He, he was a little bit lazy. He was, he was being a kid. Sure. And we put him in this running group last year where they, they train up to run a half marathon. Oh, yeah. Him and my six-year-old both did it, and they both ran the half marathon. My oldest son got a really good time. Nice. He did a really good job. And then after that, he's like talking about how he wants to do other things, do other things. So we put him back in the same gym he was doing jujitsu at, but he's doing their fitness kickboxing classes now. Mm-hmm. And I take him every Monday and I watch him and it's, it's a different person. Yeah. Is, this kid is not the same kid he was. Right. And he's in there with the adults. He's in the adult right. class. He's the size of an adult. He's a big kid. But sure. <clears throat> like last week they were doing these stations. So like one station was sit ups and punch the bag. Next station was like, I think it was just like, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was like, one, two, three, four, you know, mm-hmm. and then the next one was, you, you, and it was partners and your partner holds the pad and you're throwing round kicks yeah. and he's with a full grown man throwing round kicks at him. Yeah. And I'm watching that guy's whipping those legs at that pad. Yes. And my son's just boom, boom, taking it. Then it's his turn. I'm watching him like, holy crap. It's a total different person. And it's yeah. all because of physical activity. And he looks like a different person. Sure. He looks fit. Right. And it's like you were saying, he kind of made that choice on his own to I want to get do physical things and mm-hmm. it's transformed him physically and a little bit mentally. Yeah. Which and, is cool to see. Yeah. And like you guys said, it's choice. Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to go beat myself up in a workout? I don't know, fucking doing sledgehammer strikes or whatever else, for like 40 minutes in the rain because someone's making me and I'm like, Oh, I hate being here. I'm just going to try to survive through it and do half ass job. Like, no, I want to put myself through this and I'm going to give it 100% because it's my choice. Like, choices, like you said, it's a lot of it. You know, when someone makes the choice to, like, my lifestyle sucks, I'm egocentric, I don't, I'm too much about myself and everything's a facade. I feel fake, I don't feel real. And all of a sudden, you see that person do something difficult, jujitsu, whatever. And the way they act changes and then the way they dress changes. All of a sudden, like, 
you know, like you change the way you see things and the things you see change. Right. Your whole, your whole reality is different. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's really cool. It's cathartic too. Yeah. People don't get that catharsis very often when things are easy, you know, like, right. yeah, it's, you gotta apply it. And I tired of hearing, I'm tired of hearing excuses just be normal rhetoric. Yeah. Like, Oh, but why would I go run or hike Table Rock, you know, in the middle of July and they're during the day. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, why the fuck wouldn't you? Why are you saying it? Just like, cause everyone says it. Everyone, it's just a normal thing. Like, no, I have an AC car. Like, cool. Fuck that AC car. Like go do something difficult friend. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did a, a marathon a day challenge for a month and, um, you know, a few days into it, I developed shin splints, which I never had before. Yeah. I always prided myself on having good running technique. I had good coaches, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, good running technique. Ed Buchanan, he's a legend in, uh, in the military world, he was part of, um, I think it was Operation Iron Eagle, where they attempted to rescue the Iranian hostages. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, he was part of that. Like, that's how long he's been involved in that community. And I found him because I was looking for a post-tech coach back in the early 2000s. It was hard to find those guys. I'd read about it. I'd heard about it. Uh, one of my friends that runs marathons and Ironmans and all that stuff uh, he was one of the first guys to be one of those barefoot runners, you know, one of those weird dudes. Yeah. And um, the but, Vibram five yeah, finger toes. Yeah. He was, but he would just run with no nothing, just mm-hmm. barefoot, just get out there and get it. And I remember him telling me about post tech and you know, and so I'm looking all over for a coach. I found a, found Ed, he's super cool man, awesome guy, lives in Hawaii, and he just coached me, you know, coached me over the phone, coached me through video. And so I feel like, and I've had in-person coaches too since that time that are part of that kind of that pose world. And I felt like, man, I've got good coaches. Like I'll never get shin splints. I've never got shin splints. And then, you know, day seven, I'm just like, whoa, why does it hurt to lift my feet? You know? And uh, so, but getting through that, it it became a crucible, you know, it became a, a, like a Phoenix type event where I'm just burning off the excess, burning off what's not, not necessary to, to complete this objective of running 26.2 miles every day, which for me is a four mile, four hour ordeal. You know, I'm not a fast runner. I'm an eight minute pace guy. Um, for selection purposes, for PFTs, whatever you want to call it, I've been able to do six minute miles and get down into the fives even, but not, something i can sustain for mm. you know i i've run a couple 5k's in in the 20s you know like 24 minutes in that time frame or at right at 20 but i've never broken into the 18s on a 5k or anything like that you know where people right. are like man that dude's mm-hmm. that's a six minute runner right there yeah, like, yeah. no dude <laughs> you know um especially when i weighed 280 i was gonna say you used stuff. to be a lot bigger too. yeah, yeah. so I was beating myself up doing this every day, but it became this thing where it carved away all the unnecessary stuff. It, it It's weird and it sounds psychotic to say that I would get home at 9.30 at night, 10 o'clock at night, and I'd be like, well, I still got to run, hmm. you know, or I'm getting up at 3.45 because I need to get my run in. And I still have things to do, mm-hmm. you know, I still have my day to go through and classes to teach and all that good stuff, you know, responsibilities. So it's one of those things where, you know, kind of what's that thing? I'm not sure if Bukowski actually said it or not. There's kind of some controversy on that about find what you love and let it kill you, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> let it consume you. And um, but it, it's true, you know, yeah. find that thing. And sometimes that thing that you love has to be yourself enough where you're like, I'm, I'm going to do this to see how much of a transformation I can bring about in myself. You know, why don't, why should I wait till I hit rock bottom to decide to transform? Like, why Mm -hmm. should I bottom? Like everybody says you have to bottom out. And I get that for that, for the context of that saying, you know, people need to reach rock bottom, Mm -hmm. but for everybody else, for people who aren't struggling with substances and things like that, why can't I create that situation for myself where I want to see how much of a transformation I can put myself through. I want to see how much of a crucible I can endure. Um, 
and I want to see what this phoenix looks like when it rises. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going to come out of this? What will I look like on the other end of this? And, you know, I, I've said it before. Like, I don't know. I really don't know who I would be without jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I really like who I am with it. You know, I feel like I'm a pretty decent person despite some character flaws. <laughs> and, um, but I do know, like, going into these events, because they're so short, you know, I do know how I feel going into it or who I am going into it. And then I know who I am on the other side of it, mm. you know, and that's, that's been really cool mm-hmm. because I, it's almost like a 24 hours of, whoa, man, I don't even know who I was. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the person was that started this. Yeah. Like it just seems like a whole other person now. And there's a, a distance runner. I can't remember her name. It's Mary. But anyway, she, I had a conversation with her through Instagram Messenger. It was pretty cool. And she just said to me, like, listen, the miles are going to happen. You just have to be determined to finish them, Mm -hmm. regardless of what that looks like. Yeah. Puke, crap your pants, whatever. All kinds of bad things are going to happen in between now and then. But the version of you at the end will be different than the version of you that started it. Like if you put the two of you side by side, the the person at the finish line, the person at the starting line, you wouldn't recognize each other. Yeah. And I at the time I was like, that's a pretty bold statement there, Cotton. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, is it really like that transformative? Mm-hmm. Like 24 hours, 48 hours, you know, Absolutely. like, is it really? But it is. Because mm-hmm. when you go through stuff like that, you know, when you come out of it, you don't come out of it looking to like, okay, I need this big break. Whenever you come out of hard stuff like that, at least for me and people, I've just been around, been around me. You come out of that and you're more motivated. All yeah, of a sudden, you're you're, next? you're way more active. Your brain's on fire. You're doing things constantly. You're not mm-hmm. watching TV at all. And it's as you start being more complacent that you start slowing down. Yeah. But every time you do something hard like that, it's all of a sudden yeah. you have like a month of just like kicking ass. Everything you do, you're right. high paced. You know. So, but why? But even if you do slow down a little bit after a month, that's okay. Cause you had a month of now changing your perception right. or getting better at a lot of things because it changed the way you thought. Cause, and I've met, I haven't met anybody who's thought, I guess, differently really after something hard like that, you're, you're kicking ass for a while. You're yeah. like riding that high almost. Yeah. You ride it. It's a wave. You yeah. ride it for a while, man. And, um, Jill, uh, had a vet. I think he was a world war two vet. He's an older dude that she was caring for in ICU and um, just a phenomenal dude, just accomplished so much, you mm-hmm. know, in his life. And he, he said to her, you know, movement is life. Never stop moving. And that was his big deal about being in the ICU mm-hmm. was just that I, I can't move. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of like on lockdown here with COVID regulations and all that stuff. And I can't get out and do the stuff I need to be doing. And so he actually was kind of feeling some anxiety because mm-hmm. to him, it, it's true, right? Movement is life. And he had momentum going into being sick, and he didn't want to lose that momentum, mm-hmm. especially being that age group. You know, those World War II guys, they're late 80s, mm-hmm. right? And so, and even 90s. And so he's like, man, look, you know, I can't I can't be slowing down. There's, yeah. You know, there's not much left. So yeah. I need to make something happen. Well, you see yeah. that too. Like when an older person gets put in the hospital and they're laid up, it's you see them deteriorate yeah, like kind of start to clock right yeah like i i lost my dad it's been a month now I yeah think. about a month and he was already kind of going downhill like <clears throat> he was on oxygen he had a, he had a lot of health issues and when i was younger when i was younger he was like he was god yeah. I mean, he was a big strong guy then he had health issues and i saw he was doing less and he just looked like he was deteriorating yeah but even as bad as he looked at home mm-hmm. when i saw him in the hospital leading up to him i mean he just looked so bad and he wasn't yeah. he wasn't moving you know and i the you i think you're right like if you have something to look forward to you're moving you're doing mm-hmm. things it's gonna keep you healthier all around i think yeah. mentally and physically yeah and to see people it's almost like i don't know if i'd say they give up but it's like they're laid up in a bed what do they have forward yeah. to look forward yeah. to? And know? and because once you have that goal of, I want to be healthy and survive, and I want to be active, 
the other latent effects come with it naturally. Like, yeah. oh, I'm not budgeting my food anymore. I'm budgeting bullshit and I'm spending whatever I want and need on good food. Right. Because you don't see people spend really good money on good food that are not active. Right. I never see that. Um, even if they're like chefs or whatever, they're not healthy looking chefs. You know, yeah. you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you, they're synonymous with each other. Active people right. eat good food. And it's not one or the other. Actually, no, it is. If you're a 20-year-old kid who's really active, they're probably eating pizza every day. Yeah, they can but, eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, their metabolism, man. Yeah. But, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it's like you start to value the fuel that's going into your body uh, physically and mentally. You know, you yeah. start to pay attention to, is this getting me closer to where I want to be or further from my goal? You know, tomorrow morning I have to be at comp team at 530 ready to roll. And we're going to get after it. We're going to do competition speed drilling, yeah. you know, round up to round, 90 minutes. You know, we do one minute goes. And basically you just go as hard as you can as if you were in competition. But with the parameter of we reset when you achieve whatever it is we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I know if, if I sit here and I eat some ice cream, maybe too much ice cream, mm-hmm. and I pound some Cokes, you know, Tomorrow morning is going to be rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's taking me further from my goal, which is to be a good training partner, and and also improve myself. And the same with lifting or running or whatever it might be. But then you start paying attention to your mental diet too. You start paying attention to the conversations that happen around you, and like, is this gossip? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what, what what are we doing right now? Yeah, you know, like, why do I feel just gross yeah you know in a, it, from a conversation you know yeah and you start paying attention to that stuff and you start realizing that um, mike menser used to say consider that you have 100 units of recovery and how will you allocate those units throughout your day to best set you up for success when you train and you know like i, I don't i'm not like a high intensity one set to failure kind of guy you mm-hmm. know at all but i thought there was some value in that perspective which is if i have a hundred units of mental recovery what is best going to set me up for success what is best going to set me up to recover because just like the mental the most important aspect is the mental right the mindset Mm -hmm. and so if i'm going into an event or if i'm going into just training like say i just want to go go for a fun run you know and if i'm going out there do i need all this negative conversation negative media negative whatever it might be like how many units of recovery did of mental recovery that's most important did those things suck out Hmm. right like how far away now am i from my goal you know did i set myself back or did i push myself forward yeah and it as cheesy as sound as it sounds and i get get a lot of grief for it i try to start my day with podcasts i start my day with quotes i start my day with things that are like pumping me up Mm -hmm. i start my day with i i I went through the um tony robbins uh ultimate power weekend Uh, a friend of mine paid for it It was really cool Uh, he was a coach for a life coach for tony robbins and so we went through this thing i did the firewalk it was awesome you know uh so much great information we start we would start at six in the morning and go till midnight every day for four days straight like mm-hmm. it was intense but they had a thing there called the hour of power which is you start your day with an hour of good stuff focused on your goals writing down what you like you journal at night right that's the best time to journal i think but in the morning like what do i want to do today you know look at what i wrote last night in my journal okay what am i going to get after today what do i need to accomplish today and what what are what am i thinking right now like what am i feeling what am i thinking like what do i want to do today that i couldn't do yesterday or i haven't done you know this week or whatever and then i'll I'll get like music pumping you Mm -hmm. know i'll get some good tunes going sometimes you know i'll crank some pretty heavy metal or sometimes it might just be like casey in the sunshine (laughs) you know but it's something to just keep my mind just you know kind of get it rolling mm-hmm. towards the positive and I'll, I'll focus on that and then i find that over time doing this consistently over the years 
like I couldn't tell you what's on the news. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't tell you what's going on. I couldn't tell you. I just people will ask me, "Hey, what do you think about this and that?" and and I'm not being a jerk to them or anything like that, but I a lot of times I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, cuz I just I just have disconnected from a lot of that stuff because for, for as far as the news goes, I think back to I saw a documentary with uh, Jesse the Body Ventura mm-hmm. and Willie Nelson. I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it was about weed and legalizing stuff and all that. And mm-hmm. and I just remember, so I watched it because it's interesting. But there was a, a piece in there where Jesse Ventura they said to him, "What set you up to be so successful in politics?" And he's like, "Professional wrestling." Hmm. He's like, because Congress has the power to pass the budget. Congress has the, like, the president can veto it, and Congress can, Congress can over, go over him, you know? They can, they can pass it. They can do this. They can do that. These laws, they can change these laws. They, it's, it's all show. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, professional wrestling, the heel and the face will get into it at the press conference, press conference right mm-hmm. so yeah. they get into it and they rile at each other and carry on and threaten and i'm going to kill his family and i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that and the fans get all fired up and you know and then the fans want to pay for the pay-per-view and they want to buy the t-shirts and they want to come to the event and they're going to spend a lot of money he was and then the face and the heel walk backstage and then they go get dinner together mm-hmm. they're buddies because they're making money politics is exactly the same mm. it was he goes who is President Obama's number one most most frequent golf partner? Boehner. <laughs> and I was like, huh. Yeah. Why am I getting so... Why am I hating my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Because he's got a sign out there to, for a politician I don't agree with. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, then I don't pay attention to their BS. And I don't pay attention to the fact that they're all leaving there rich. Like Vin, Jesse said, Jesse Ventura said, listen, if a guy leaves... The federal level office, less than a millionaire, they're an idiot. Mm. Nobody's leaving here poor. We're yeah. all leaving here rich. Yeah. Why? And then I thought, I'm done with it. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not doing it anymore. Because they're, they're all narcissists. Yeah. And when you're in the government, you have access to everything, which means you have access to the best profilers and psychologists that work for the CIA and FBI. And then you, you utilize these people to... Okay, how do I get people to pay attention? Well, you, the secondary right. emotion of anger. How do we get people angry? Well, think uh, of, yeah, yeah, right. Because you know, like, anger is what adrenaline. Or, yeah, or and fear. our body and loves. We are our body addicted loves to it. Adrenaline, right? Addicted well, to our body it. Loves adrenaline. Especially over like the past four or five years, with as polarizing as Trump was. Yeah, that made people fucking hate each other, and right. for for liking a politician or not. Yeah, and that drives me insane. I yeah, hate you're that because cut off family members over there. No, and like, it's come on, man. <laughs> and, right? but that's that's what I mean. So a lot of times when people will say things to me and they'll bring things up or whatever, I'm just so disconnected yeah. from it. And it, it's not that I don't understand that it matters. Like I get, yeah, our our vote is probably the most important thing we can cast mm-hmm. and do in our in our society in in a uh, in a constitutional republic. The vote is extremely important, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at the same time, more of I'm not going to, my attitude is more of, I'm not going to let them manipulate me because these same politicians will sit up there and rile and growl and carry on about lobbyists. Well, then get rid of them. Mm. You've got the power. Yeah. You can say no more lobbyists, but you don't because mm-hmm. there goes all the perks that come with having lobbyists yeah. daily coming through your office, right? So I'm not going to let them manipulate me anymore. Like you just said, People are cutting off family members mm-hmm. over a politician. Come on, man. Yeah. Like that politician doesn't even know who you are, dude. No, and they, so, they don't care. Yeah, right. Who you are. So I'm not I'm not cutting anybody out of my life over mm-hmm. their political beliefs and things like that. I would rather just have the old school rules of we're not going to talk about religion and politics at the dinner table. Yeah. I, I agree. Right. Because people have, especially over the past four or five years, it's all anybody's talking about anymore is politics and all. And it's, I've said this on here before. If someone's whole personality is a politician that they like, yeah. that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, you got yeah. like, to work on yourself, dude. There's, there's more out there. Yeah. Way, way there's more out there than a, 
politician and there's a lot of life and, to live and i get like flying the flag of someone you like and all that stuff but if that's your whole entire personality yeah, yeah i think you need to take a look at yourself a little bit right <laughs> and yeah. don't get caught but then see but then again it's like jesse the body said right like i'm i'm walking around instead of brutus the beefcake on my t-shirt mm-hmm. i've got a politician on my t-shirt yeah i'm playing exactly into what they want me to do yeah it's and and uh, back to you know what we started this conversation with about allocating resources Mm -hmm. mentally. Do I have enough resources to have an argument that isn't going to do anything? I've Mm -hmm. never seen anybody change their mind on the internet or Mm -hmm. anywhere else over a political argument. Yeah. I've actually seen quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to lose and everybody gets off on that adrenaline rush of getting angry. And so what do they do? They go, look stuff up mm-hmm. and they come back with more info to buttress their opinion and yep. their position. And like, oh, I'm even, we even got a stronger position now, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not looking to change. You're wrong. Yeah. I'm not changing. You need to change. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, man, this is not, this isn't a conversation any longer. Now it's just a fight. Yeah. And yeah. it's not getting anywhere. Well, <clears throat> most people aren't, including the three of us sitting here are not geopolitical experts and everybody, right. everybody thinks they are. <laughs> and yeah. that's what like, I won't get in a, political argument with anybody because i don't know enough first of all to have a valid argument and i don't know if what they're saying is true it's like why would you because i know people that talk like they know about everything that's going on it's like none of us do right no none of us are and there are people who are experts in that but most day-to-day people are not we we can make educated comments up to a certain point until there's shit we don't know about Mm -hmm. you know you can say i like guns someone says i don't like guns one should have guns and then i can say well, no matter what, who what who has guns, bad people always have guns because they always find a way to have guns. Right. And say, well, f- fuck, that just doesn't like. No, it doesn't make sense. If you lived in a shitty place, you would see that. If you grew up around that, if you didn't grow up around that, you assume bad guys don't have guns, no matter what they do. Right. And would you rather live in, you know, the demolition man, you know, Sylvester Stallone, yeah. where now all exactly. of your cops are weak motherfuckers that can't handle themselves in a fight because we've taken right. all that power away. Mm-hmm. You have to, as long as there's bad people, you have to have guys that are equally as big of monsters, but have a good foundation of moral ethics that are good, solid people. Well, like right. you, you always know, say, like make you. good people dangerous. Yeah. Good make people good dangerous. People yeah, dangerous, exactly. Man. That's what, that's yeah, what I was exactly. going to get to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to try to, I was going to plug you back into I, that. I, but <laughs> I, I do have a question. Uh, doesn't pertain to anything we're talking about. I've just been curious. You own a gym back in Chicago or in uh, Illinois, right? I did. So yeah. you, did, you, did you get rid of your gym? Yeah. Okay. I was, I've was been wondering because when yeah, you moved yeah. here, I'm like, I wonder if he still has his gym. Yeah. I know no. it has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, but I've, yeah. I've been wanting to ask <laughs> yeah, you about nah, that. That's cool. But yeah. No, so but, I came yeah. out here and got involved with the guys out here. Um, I don't know if I'll ever open. I'm, I'll probably end up opening something mm-hmm. at some point, you know, do my thing. Um, but I'm happy helping these dudes here. Are you, are you planning to be here for, for good? Yeah. Good, yeah, so good. we'll be here for a while. Jill's you're, not going to go anywhere. You're the last one so. we're, we're accepting in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I've been told. That, that comes up like, on this podcast here. all the time. Because people will talk about how cool Idaho is. And we're always like, no, it sucks. Yeah. Just stay it's away. Ter- kind of like Montana. Right? Yeah. Like, it's it, terrible here. Don't yeah. come here. <laughs> we just tell everybody, go to Montana. Yeah, go yeah. to <laughs> But no. The, and take a wolf. And how long, you, how long have you been here now? Since January. Yeah, almost a year. Yeah, almost a year. Yeah. And um, Jill and I, we talked about it because... In the, when the in the VA system, she can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Plus, the travel nurse thing is real tempting. Yeah. You know, um, that's a whole source of contention in the medical community um, because you have travel nurses coming in making a lot more mm-hmm. than people that are there all the time. And while being told, the people that are there are being told, "Well, we don't have the money. You mm-hmm. know, we can't we can't pay you more." But yeah. hold on, but they're you know, paying yeah. more. Yeah, but you're paying more. Yeah. So yeah. that's a whole other thing. So she we kind of went back and forth on that and she's um she's she's driven hard by her ethics you know and and um that kind of stuff so she doesn't want to be involved in that discussion Mm -hmm. and uh and she really likes taking care of the vets you know um a lot of her patients that she gets are you know the vietnam era guys and a few world war ii guys those guys are kind of we're losing those guys, but mm-hmm. um, Korean era guys, and so she likes her job. She loves it, and, and she and she's grown up here. She's third generation Idaho, and mm-hmm. so um, I could tell. Like we we'll go different places and visit and hang out and stuff. And she likes it while we're there, but it's not here. Yeah, you know, yeah. she likes being able to 
within 10 minutes be in the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, or at least in the foothills, yeah. you know. And so going somewhere else is just... Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I think that's what you see. Go. There's a lot of people that grew up here, including me and Kevin, who are still here because yeah. it's a great place to live. That's the thing. And she she would be willing to go anywhere I want to go. Mm-hmm. And because of the VA system, she could go anywhere and work. Mm-hmm. But a couple of things. This hospital is awesome. This VA hospital is awesome. It's one of the best. Mm-hmm. And taking her out of here would probably kill her. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, yeah. you know, not being able to have just this area, mm-hmm. you know, and all the things that she can do here. It just... Yeah. And I'm pretty adaptable. I mean, mm-hmm. I lived in Maryland for... You know, first part of my life, lived in Miami, South Florida for the, you know, the next period of my life. And then I lived in Chicagoland Mm -hmm. for 22 years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So the next, next chapter is here. Yeah. Yeah. Next chapter is here. You had to live in all the shitholes first. (laughs) Exactly. I kind of, kind of kept, you know, I told, um, I told Joe, I said, it's cause, you know, it's cause I'm a hobbit, you know, (laughs) it's just, you know, it's like. Yeah, you know, Tolkien, the hobbits always were migrating west, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just, I'm a hobbit, big hands, big head, big feet, you know, <laughs> and, you know, just not very tall. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm a hobbit. Yeah, I'm a hobbit. So yeah. for your, your charity you're doing next month, how can people donate to that? So they can go to Wage Hope My Way, which is the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network okay. page for that. And then I can give you guys a link for it yeah, too. Yeah, I'll put it. I'll put yeah. it in the episode description too. Yeah, where people can just click on that, and I don't handle any of the money. That's can, what I really like. Can about they it donate too. already? Like, can people yeah. start? Do- okay, yeah, good, it's good. A, so I don't. I I try to not touch the money. Mm-hmm. I think that's just for all involved. I think it's just better. Yeah, um, you know, keeps everything above board. Mm-hmm. And so you just donate straight there. They just clickable link and donate cool. straight to the pancreatic cancer awesome network so and they're good people man i mean they came out uh when my dad was dying the, i had somebody i could call almost every day mm-hmm. you know on hot for you know for hospice questions or and even before it got to hospice mm-hmm. you know pancreatic cancer usually kills people pretty quick because mm-hmm. it's so hard to detect so by the time they get it or figure it out rather than not get it but by the time they catch it it's too far along mm, yeah you know, it's usually stage four at that point so um but they were awesome like there's as far as resources go i'm not familiar with other like you know the american lung cancer uh society or association those i'm sure they have the same stuff in place mm-hmm. you know but these guys were awesome you know they're just like here you need to call this person you know what's a good time for like, I didn't even have to call people. They were like, Hey, what's a good time for this person to call you? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be like oh, two o'clock. And I'm like, okay, cool. Wow. And I'd get a call from some lady like, Hey, we're going to be at the house to set up the hospital bed. What time can you be there? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even, you know what I mean? That's yeah. Like, Holy cow. This is awesome. Well, and when you're in that situation, having help is, is man, there's so much amazing. going on. I mean, yeah. my brother's awesome. So he, my brother was involved. Um, so we split power of attorney and medical power of attorney. Cause he was a corpsman in the military for eight years, nine years. And so he kind of could speak their language, whereas I would just kind of glaze over and zone out, you know, and when they were talking to me, trying to explain stuff to me and stuff. So we, one of the things that they suggested early on was split that, you know, you handle power of attorney so you can handle all this stuff outside the hospital and have your brother medical power of attorney. One, he speaks the language Two then he can just focus on that mm-hmm. and man that was such a good call wow. but but okay. they've done it before right so yeah. they were just like hey you, this is what you need to do mm-hmm. you know take that load off you're trying to handle everything and you're because there's a um like one example right is um uh do not resuscitate you know uh, i think they call it dnr or something like that yeah but um so the there's paperwork involved with that you can't just say mm-hmm. i don't want you to wake me up right you can't just it can't just be a verbal declaration. There's a pink piece of paper and it has to go with their chart everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep that with them. And it's just a whole process, none of which I was aware of. Mm-hmm. So we got transitioned. So my dad had a fall, taken to the hospital. The hospital's like, we're going to keep him um, until his numbers can go back up. Or he ended up just going home on hospice at that point because the fall was kind of the final thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but get to the hospital and 
they're like, hey, you know, I'm like, does he have a DNR? I go, yes, he does. He goes, okay, where's the where's the paperwork? I was like, Whoa. you know what paperwork. I mean? Like, it's like, oh, so that crew, just one of those things you don't think about, mm-hmm. and yeah. having having them. But my brother was on it. My brother's like, I got it. It's in Good. the car. You know, I'll go get it. And so it's in with all the other stuff in the car. And so that was, but that's like an example of something that they've already been through mm-hmm. hundreds of times and they could see it coming before we ever got to it. And so having my brother handling that stuff, mm-hmm. man, so made life so much easier because I would, I'd probably still be standing there looking at the mm-hmm. oncologist going, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, and plus you have the stress of you're losing your dad and everything's going yeah. like that's yeah. Being able to divvy it up yeah and rough time it's good to have some help that's yeah for sure, for sure. So, i know when my dad first first started having health issues because he was within the va as well uh he they sent him to seattle and i we were so happy they had things in place to help right yeah like my mom went with him but they had somewhere for her to stay it's yeah. called the fisher house yeah and things like that just they ease a little bit of a burden you know and yeah. so what the it's the pain, pancreatic cancer action network action Pan network Cam. yeah P-A-N-C-A-N. so Pan-C-A-N. them yeah. they're doing good stuff yeah so. yeah they're awesome so let's yeah. ra- raise some money no it's a, it's it gets people man i mean as like you said that's when i got my <clears throat> uncle just like oh it's too late like you yeah. know they never know he looks just like what was it lee van cleef from good bad and youngly or john van cleef the guy who played know. the bad no, oh, yeah like twins he looks just like oh, him wow. when he did yeah yeah he was always a funny always give <clears> shit about that but uh yeah, it's one of those things that I, it sucks because you don't want to be, do you want to be, you don't you have too much anxiety about it. Like, am I, do I have it? Do I have it? Am I dying yeah. right now? Like, especially when you start getting over 50 and you're like, like not to yeah. make you anxious either. Like, no, no, I totally you know, get it, man. Old I, man, Paul's yeah, over right? here. No, like, I got pancreatitis, so I get it. Okay. Yeah, I get yeah. anxiety around it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's rough and it's like, but at least you're doing, you are like the epitome of like you are being virtuous. So it's like. Hey, if shit happens, at least I'm not going out being not being in control of my own life. Right. Like you're doing what you want to mm-hmm. do and you're good at it. You know, it'd be it'd be shitty if you're a person who just like, damn man, I worked in an office for 40 years. I was about to retire at like 63, and now I'm going to die before that, and I yeah. didn't do anything. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. the epitome of like, just take life by your by the fucking balls and do it. You know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I mean, uh, Doctor uh, Siddiqui, we were talking. He's my one of my dad's oncologists and. He's like, oh, you have pancreatitis? I was like, yeah. He goes, keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. I'm sure. You yeah. know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, like, what are you going to do? So mm-hmm. I, I just, look, I reduced the risk factors already. I didn't drink, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't, I try not to drink. I don't, you know, never, never get drunk. You know, like if somebody has something cool looking, I'll take a sip. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're like, hey, taste this. I'm like, yeah. usually something fruity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. yeah. You know, I'm like, all right, that tastes pretty good. You what know? about all that cocaine you've been doing? Cocaine it? nonstop. <laughs> doing like, bumps. Well, I got to do the cocaine to offset the heroin. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. But, um, That's how you party, though. Otherwise, I'm too mellow. But, um, yeah, you know, and I, I just, I look at it. But that's the thing, right? You know, it's like, all right, it creates some anxiety. And... You can either sit there and freak out, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, man, what is my timeline? Do I have an expiration date? I don't right. know. I don't know. You know? Yeah. I mean, we do, but yeah, yeah. is mine bumped up, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and man, I don't want to go out like that. That's a miserable way to go out, mm-hmm. you know? But at the same time, you just got to get after it. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Know? Yeah. Every day, get up and go do something. Uh, yeah. I was I was going to, when we were, because we can, <laughs> we can wrap this up, but I was going to say, if you wanted to end it with something, because you're a motivational guy. And yeah. that's one of my favorite, you're Thanks, one of my man. favorite people just to follow on Instagram because yeah. of that. Thank you. And it's not just when it comes to fitness. It's other, like my wife the other day was saying like with you and Jill, yeah. you guys are like teenage kids in love yeah. watching you guys online. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that's motivational too, I think to couples to right. see. I know it's motivational, my wife and myself. And I was going to say, if you could end it with something motivational, but you kind of just did. Yeah. So. yeah. Cause you are, you're a motivational guy and that's one of my favorite things about, about you as a person, but also following you online. Cause yeah. I don't know. You keep me motivated. So yeah, thanks, yeah. man. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, thanks for being you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so uh, the PanCan Network, and well, I'll link everything in the description. And do you have anything else people can follow or look at for you? Uh, no, just my Instagram and Facebook. If they want to mm-hmm. follow me on there and connect with me and send me a message, let me know. You know, like, hey, I was listening to Mission mm-hmm. Prep and 
for you know this is how i found out about you or whatever that's yeah. cool man i always love hearing that yeah you know because yeah. i get a lot of people that'll um connect with me there through classes or mm-hmm. things like that so it's always cool you know it's like man well, how did we connect hey mm-hmm. how do we come in contact with each other how do we cross paths you know right yeah. because it's just really cool it's like yeah. how, did, how does this happen absolutely you know? well you guys listening to this i do recommend you follow paul online because he's motivational Cool. Yeah, you like stick pics? Yeah, I love those. Send, send, send them over to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. Well, we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Bro. All right. <laughs>